Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Troy Hadid. Troy is a yoga teacher, author, and social entrepreneur who is continuously excavating the human experience while aiming to make God more accessible. He wants to discover what it truly means to embody love and aid humanity in realizing that we are far more connected than we've been led to believe. I really loved spending time with Troy for this episode. You'll hear that he is just full of love and grace and a contagious calmness. This is one of those episodes that will bless you by being in the energy of it alone, aside from the wisdom that he shares to satisfy your intellectual side. I love the story he shares about the encounter with the little girl that was so meaningful to him that he was worried he'd later not be able to believe it had actually happened. This episode is brought to you by Codex Beauty Labs. I'm so excited about this treasure I've discovered. Codex products address key skincare concerns and conditions including eczema, psoriasis, sensitive, dry, and inflamed skin. The brand has been heralded by dermatologists for creating effective, clinically proven skincare. I also love that Codex is dedicated to protecting biodiversity. Codex adheres to the highest standard of sustainable skincare and biotech plant-based alternatives to restore and protect the skin barrier and support a healthy microbiome. All products contain sustainably sourced ingredients from the forests of Patagonia to the bogs of Ireland, are packaged in plant-based tubes and work to reduce carbon footprint. I personally am loving their Shant line, which integrates concepts from Ayurvedic medicine and plant sciences. Find information about Codex in the show notes on the sponsors page at themeditationconversation.com or at codexlabscorp.com and use code meditation20 at checkout for 20% off. And now enjoy this episode. So welcome, Troy. I'm so happy to meet you. Thank you. Same here, Kara. Thanks for having me. It is um, you know, such an honor anytime I'm given a space to share. So I really do value this time. So thank you. Well, I'm so happy to be connected. And you're joining from Trinidad, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah are, that's we, amazing. We just reopened our yoga studio about a week ago. So um yeah. From COVID being, did it, was it closed from COVID? It, I guess it has something to do with COVID, but we pretty much got evicted by our landlords. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think they wanted us there anymore. Um, so you have but, a new location? Yeah, we have a new location. You know, things things always align, and sometimes when we don't think things are going our way, they actually are, you know. Um, and this yeah. definitely was. So we have a beautiful that's, space. That it's that's so important for to be highlighted. I think it's something that a lot of people know or they've heard before, but to hear it at the right time and be reminded yeah. of, you know, because somebody could be listening right now and they're like deep in the throes of some challenge that, you know, came out of the blue and they it feels like they're cursed, you know, yeah. and it can be the catalyst to the right thing. And and like I said, so often we we know that intellectually, but when yeah. we're in it, it can be hard to remember. 
Yeah, I'm not too sure where I picked this up from, but you know, like every when it's someone's birthday, I always tell them, I pray that your dreams do not come through. Because there's an intelligence that dreams far greater than we do. Oh. And our dreams are so limited. You know, yeah. um, and I think it's important to recognize that there is that intelligence. We talk about it all the time, but in so many ways, we're a little disconnected from it. And that intelligence had dreams that are so far greater for us than we could ever possibly conceive. I love that. A friend of mine was just saying yesterday, because I've been, I'm on the tail end of a little cold. And he was like, oh, are you... Are, do you have a cold? And I said, yeah, it's just working its way out. It's almost gone. And then as as we were finishing up, he said, um, I feel like we need to tell each other more. Like, I hope you feel better. But even if you're feeling great, I hope you feel better. Yeah. Because yeah. even if you're like on cloud nine, you could still feel better. So it's like, I want the peak experience for you, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, and we reserve that for like, oh, you're not feeling well. I hope you feel better, you know, to get back to like what that mediocre is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's so funny this comes up now, Kara, um, because just this morning, well, recently I was listening to another podcast with Neil Donald Walsh, author of Conversations with God. And now that I've been guesting on a lot of podcasts, I'm actually starting to listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh -huh. And he's one of my favorite authors, but he said something in that podcast that has stayed with me since, and I've been using it a lot. And he said, um, every time you see someone on any given day, you should tell yourself, your life is going to be better because I just walked into it. Was that and my podcast? He said he said that on my podcast. He did? Oh, amazing. Oh, beautiful. I can't believe you had him. It was actually um Shimon Durek, I think I was listening. Ah. But you know, I have a post pending around that. Um, and I've been talking about it a lot because naturally and rightfully he says, don't tell someone to their face, tell them, say it in your head, or they'll think you're oh, crazy. Yes. But for me, it's like but why? Because we believe in the power of word, or we say we do. We mm -hmm. believe in the power of intention, or we say we do. So why is it so wrong of me to say to you that, Kara, your life and the life of your listeners are better because I have come, they've come across the podcast today? Why mm -hmm. is that so wrong? Why does that land so differently? And um, I just think it's really important because if we would we not wish that for anyone, I would yeah. assume that anyone in human form today would wish that they make the world a better place, that they impact someone's life. Even if in this moment I'm rubbing someone the wrong way and they aren't happy with what I have to say, I believe that at some point that brings them growth and transformation and that I make their life better. I love that. And, and I do, I agree with you. And I think that people, maybe they need to have, um, be open to a certain level to be able to really let it land 
maybe and not be triggering or not to think that you're being condescending or you know what I mean? Um, To really get to the truth, like the actual truth that's in it rather than what can be interpreted that it's wrapped in, you know, based on somebody else's shadows and, and so forth. So important. And what comes up for me again, I actually just came from a funeral. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. They weren't really close to me. They were um, a friend's mom, um, who I don't think I ever met, but yeah, may she rise in, in beauty and peace. But, you know, I grew up in a Catholic home, and I'm sharing this because I think what dawned on me this morning was it's really relevant to what we're saying. But I grew up in a Catholic home, and from a really young age, of course, I was noticing all the misalignments and misalignments inaccuracies, misunderstandings, I, I say, of the church or organized religion. So um, while I have nothing against religion, you know, there are many ways in which um, I no longer connect to it. And I was in, in mass, in the mass and the ceremony this morning. And, you know, when, when we go to receive Holy Communion, um, it's so funny that for generations, I mean, I'm sure you have different different practices within religion, but at least in the churches I grew up in, we actually utter the words, I am not worthy to receive you. And I was like, how disconnected is that? Of course I am. Yeah. Of course I'm worthy to receive you. And, um, you know, we, we always talk about word and sound and intention, and we can't always connect the dots to realize that where we're actually creating a negative reality with our word and our belief and this this narrative that we keep reinforcing, you know? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so funny. We seem to be be very aligned right now, at least, because yesterday I was putting laundry away and for some reason it came into my mind about how in traditional religions, there's this, um, this like, uh, people want, they're taught and then they, uh, really latch on to that. We're meant to fear God and that that is the right way to worship is in fear. And that this is like, you know, never forget that you need to be afraid of this massive power. And of course, God is omnipresent, omnipotent, you know, and has power beyond what we could even fathom. I mean, yeah, they could, God could do anything at any time with just great ease that could cause complete destruction. But that also assumes that there's this remoteness of God or that there's this punishing um, disconnect. And that doesn't resonate at all, I believe, with with how I experience God. And that fear is is actually a, such a hindrance in our development, yeah. you know, where it's it's like when we're in fear, we we are closed off and we can't get to a more expanded state. It's very very limiting. So it's it's just very interesting because it's this again also like a traditional uh, across many different religious traditions where that fear is is really meant to be a top priority. And it's kind of like 
have we misunderstood or is that intentional? You know, it's yeah. a lot easier to control people if they are afraid. And yeah. so I, I'm kind of back and forth about like, did we get it wrong or was that a very intentional play by, well, you know, the powers yeah. that be? Oh, you're getting me started, Kara. I've got two things <laughs> to say. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Um, you know, I wrote about this recently too, and I'll say a few things with regards to the fear of God. Is One is that you can never truly know or love someone you're afraid of. That's the very first thing. It's impossible to really know intimately and love someone you are afraid of. And I think this is one of the greatest things, greatest inaccuracies and misalignments um, in historic times and religion, as you would call it. Secondly, I would invite someone to understand, right? And, and we've also brought this into our relationships, which is so sad. But I would also invite someone to, to understand this. If I do anything because I am afraid of the repercussions, if I don't, then that act is actually self-serving. That is a selfish act. Mm -hmm. It is not an act of love, right? And I would imagine if I was in an intimate relationship, which we are with God, I am with God, I would imagine that God would much rather act in accordance to his desire that I do because I love him and I see his hand in all of creation. Even the areas of our life, our world that appear as darkness. God doesn't want me to behave or act in a certain way because I am afraid of his punishment. That is, um, that's like a bribe, mm. right? It's, it's a selfish act. It's because it's, I'm doing something because I'm afraid of his reaction. And unfortunately, that has transcended to our relationships, our daily relationships. I call it emotional corruption. We act or behave in a certain way to gain affection or support or love. And if someone doesn't act in a way that pleases us, that we want them to act, we withdraw our support. We withdraw our love. We give them silent treatment. All of that is corruption. But the currency we're using, it's the most valuable of all. It's our love. It's our attention. Mm, wow. That's really powerful. Thank you. Well, Troy, we went straight into yeah. depth big time. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really give you the opportunity to even explain kind of who you are and how you you kind of got to where you are. Like, I'd love to hear a little bit about your origin story or what you feel yeah. called to share with us there. Yeah, sure. We got sucked into it for real. I know. It was like a vortex. It was. And yeah. I loved. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But I do want to give you a chance to introduce yeah. yourself too. <laughs> okay, well, I, um, I was born in Trinidad to a father of Syrian and Middle Eastern ancestry and a mother of Irish and European ancestry. And I lived my entire life in Trinidad. Uh, from a very young age, I would say I got, people ask all the time, how did I get into yoga? Because I've been teaching yoga now for over 15 years. 
I think yoga got me. I don't think I found yoga. I think yoga found me and just wrapped me in and I had no idea whatsoever. From a really young age, though, you know, I remember when I graduated university, people asked, well, I came back to Trinidad and I opened Trinidad's first hemp store, which I'm very clear is was not a head shop or a smoke shop. It was a hemp shop. Um, and people used to ask before that, they were like, what are you going to do? I was like, well, I'm going to teach yoga. And they would say, well, do you do yoga? I was like, nope. But I know I'm going to teach yoga. And... Uh, to me, the essence of yoga, Kara, has nothing to do with postures or meditation. For me, the greatest yogi that ever walked the planet, for me, my teacher is a man called Christ, mm. outside the context of religion. And I think he was one of the greatest yogis to ever walk the planet. So now that I believe I have an understanding of what the embodiment of yoga is, what the real practice of yoga is, I can acknowledge that I understood that from a really young age and I began to dial into what it meant to live yoga from a really young age through the teachings of Christ that I felt was sometimes absent in organized religion, you know. So that's how I, I grew up and, and um, there's a cool story as to how I yoga found me, but that might take 10 minutes, so I'll save that to see if we have time. And then after, um, I ran a hemp store for seven years, and then I opened a waste cooking oil recycling business. And I opened a, a yoga studio, and I've been teaching yoga internationally now for about 15 years. And I just finished writing my first book, and I'm on to my second book. Wow, I, congratulations. Thank you. I do hope that if first book comes out this year, I hope that everything I do in some way reminds us what it means to love and connects people to their own individual understanding of God and gives them the permission to do that, you know? Yeah, thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I love what you say about Jesus and him being such a great yogi. And I just had this like mental image as you were saying it of Jesus walking through the desert and then just throwing his arms up like, greatest of all time. Greatest yogi of all time, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Christ-like. <laughs> yeah. And have you ever read a book, Kara, called Yoga of Jesus? Yeah, I, yeah, I love Hermansi Yogananda. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Beautiful Actually, book. I don't know if I did read that one in particular. I can't remember, but I've read lots of Yogananda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. Yeah, He's good. yeah. But that's me in a nutshell. I love that. Now, is your story about... Um, how you were pulled into yoga. Is that the story about being visited by the little girl? No, that's a whole different story. Oh, do so we? Which do one we... do you want? Well, oh. I, I have in my notes I, that I would love to hear about when you were heartbroken and you were visited by a little girl. So maybe we go that direction. All right, let's go there first. Let's go there first. So one of my best friends, her name is Jade. She's actually in the room next to me. She uh, manages our yoga studio now. And she's now uh, has a beautiful um, little boy and a beautiful family and husband who I'm really close with. But we, uh, we dated for three years, three and a half years. Oh. And um, so when we broke up, I was... You know, I could go far back into that story, but 
when we first got together, a lot of people didn't see it working because we, we kind of live very different lives. And um, I had just come back, was teaching yoga. Jade was kind of like, you know, partying kind of vibe, that kind of, you know. But there was something within me that, that really called and said it, it was almost like a voice that said, yeah, well, this is for you. And I couldn't resist it at all. So we had a beautiful relationship probably for about, well, three and a half years. Um, but towards the end of that, you know, there was a lot of resistance and, and conflict, if you want to call it that. But when we finally broke up, uh, I was heartbroken. I was completely torn. I didn't want to break up. Not even a little bit of me did. And there was, uh, so I was having a hard time. You know, if I've lived pretty much a really um, blessed life, Cara. And if there was a point in my life where I could say life brought me to my knees, I think that was that was one of those mm. moments. And so Heart what I yeah, what I did one day is. Um, I had my recycling business at the time, and I remember just leaving the office and saying, F this, I'm out. I couldn't take any of it anymore. Not that I would take my life or anything. I just needed to escape. And I went to this little secluded magical beach um, where I go to to watch the sunset. If anyone's been to Trinidad, it's called Macquarie. And I was walking in, and as I walked in, I saw, walked on like a hundred stairs, and I walked on the beach and saw this lady who I kind of knew, her face was familiar, and she had um, with her a friend and a little girl who I'd never seen before, right? They looked like tourists. So I went into the lifeguard booth, which was my plan, which was about 10 by 10, and I laid down my yoga mat, and I began to practice. I put on some Krishna Das on a little radio, and that was my plan, to go there and practice at sunset and wash it all away. About 15 minutes into my practice, I would say, I, um, this little girl walked in. I came up into Upward Facing Dog, if anyone that knows Vinyatha Yoga. And in front of me was standing this little girl, the same little girl I saw. Blue eyes, brown hair. Looks kind of like you, actually, Cara. <laughs> um, and she was standing right there in front of me. And I was in Upward Facing Dog. So I, I practiced for a minute or two again, just to see what would happen. I just kept practicing. And she began to walk around me in circles. And I was just really present to all of it, so I just kept practicing. And the style of vinyasa I practice, it's really slow-moving, intimate, graceful, not aerobic kind of, just a mm -hmm. steady scene. And this little girl, after making a few circles around me, she sat down in the corner of the lifeguard booth and just looked at me do yoga. Now, just to explain, this is about four feet off my mat because the booth is only about 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 at the most. So she sat there and she just looked at me do yoga. So I came down and I invited her onto my mat to see if she wanted to come and talk or meditate. And she didn't move. She just looked at me. So I said, okay, she seemed happy. So I went back to my practice. And then... I estimate maybe about 10 minutes later, she's still sitting there looking at me practice, and I hear these footsteps coming up the stairs. And what I assume is her mom, who I assume is her mom, walks in and sits down next to her. So now they're both looking at me practice yoga about four feet off the top of my mat. 
So I remember thinking, well, her mom is here. Maybe they're more comfortable. So I stopped practicing. I called them both onto my yoga mat to um, come and share space. And they came. And we all three sat of us, sat in meditation with eyes closed. I can't really tell you how much time passed, but her mom eventually said something which sounded like French. And the energy I got from it was like, tell any girl it's time to go. So they got up, they waved goodbye, no words were spoken. They left. I went back to my practice. So I'm in downward facing dog. And there are two flights of stairs out of the lifeguard booth. And where I was, I could be in Downward Dog and I could see the bottom of the staircase. So I'm in Downward Dog looking underneath my feet or through my feet. And I could see them at the bottom of the staircase. And the mom is holding her little daughter's hand. And the little girl pulls her, her hand from her mom, turns around and walks back up into the lifeguard booth. So I'm in downward dog, and I see these two little feet up here underneath me. And she leans over, and she kisses me on the left side of my ribcage. And then she leaves. And, um, you know, I, for anyone on video, I, I put a tattoo on the left side of my ribcage because I knew that I would never think that actually happened. Mm. that I would doubt whether that experience ever really happened. And I knew I had to have some way to remember that experience. And for me, it was, that was God. That was God just coming to say, listen, I got you. Mm. I know it might hurt right now, but I got you. You know, and um, I look at my life today and Jade's still in it. Yeah, and I'm part of her family, and I love her little boy, and I love her husband. And her husband, you know, I give him so much respect and love for allowing me to be in the life the way I am. And um, yeah, it's just really beautiful, and it's a reminder to me what what it really means to have faith. Mm. because we we often confuse hope and faith, and hope and faith are not the same thing. Hope is actually an absence of faith. Hope is a lack of faith. You know, hope leaves room for doubt and uncertainty, um, whereas faith is an absolute knowing that we are held and protected by a great intelligence. Mm. You know? Thank you for sharing that. Is Can you, can you express a little... or? Do, can you tell us a little bit more about the significance of this encounter? And I mean, I, th I feel like there's a lot that's just like energetic and really hard to communicate with language. Yeah. But um, what separated that particular experience from it being ordinary and just like, oh, I, I had this encounter with this little girl and, and it was really, you know, it was really sweet. You know, but yeah. you went and like it was so meaningful for you that you were afraid you were going to forget it. And then you you had this, you know, amazing tattoo then to kind of seal it in type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, there was no. Well, first off, Cara, like I don't see. I can't imagine any little girl playing out that scenario as fun and games. 
Mm. Like this, the energy I got from this little girl was that, yeah, she was dead on business. She wasn't, she was, she didn't come to like play and smile and do handstands and she was there on business and she was doing work while she was there. And the energy of, to me, of her presence, you know, even with the tattoo on my ribcage, do I still doubt what I remember feeling and how I remember that experience occurring? Sure, I do. But, you know, I also have to tell myself, it doesn't matter. Even if, Kara, even if, I fell asleep in Shavasana in the first five minutes and that whole thing was a dream. Doesn't divinity communicate via dreams, mm-hmm. via our thoughts? Like there's so many ways in which, you know, divinity communicates with us. Why does it actually matter whether it happened in physical form or not? I mean, I know it did. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that that experience is etched in my memory. And what's, what's, this is all in book two, by the way. This is like, I've started book two and this is a huge part of it. But another part of the story is some years later, I was teaching, I used to do these amazing, or still do these amazing full moon live music classes with some musicians I'm friends with. And 200 plus people would come out. And it, it's such an amazing practice. But I remember one night, I saw that woman who, who I saw that day in Marguerite, that friend, that woman I was familiar with. Uh-huh. And I remember asking her, do you remember that day I saw you in Marguerite? And she said, yeah. I said, you were with two, a lady and a little girl. Um, do you remember? She's like, yeah. And I asked her, that little girl, and she said her name is Anika. And she was actually named after this lady, Anika. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, wow. um, so I now know that little girl's name is Anika. And I am going to put out there that one day I know I'm going to meet Anika. Mm. And um, I could only hope that in some way I impacted her life the way she impacted mine. Yeah, that's amazing. I really love that. Thank you. Yeah. So I know that um, you, do you have a home in the forest? Yeah, it's, um, I live on in a place called Paramin and on the north coast of Trinidad, which is absolute magic. And um, it's only about 30 minutes out of the city. And, you know, I grew up in the city. As much as I love nature, when people refer to me as a bushman, I'm like, yo, I'm not a bushman. I'm just a city (laughs) boy that lives in the bush. Um, (laughs) Well, can you tell us about your first night in your home in the forest? Yeah, yeah. That was, I remember it so clearly because I, I... the second I stood on that lot of land, I knew I had to live there. And I probably didn't build anything on it for a few months, and I knew I couldn't afford to build a house, a proper house. So I built like a little tree house, a little cabin of sorts. And I figured that like I would... in a tree? 
it was, we call it treehouse-ish. It wasn't actually okay. in a tree. It hung off the edge of a mountain. So it was oh, level, wow. level and surrounded with trees, but it wasn't oh. actually in a tree. Oh, that sounds like paradise. Wow. Yeah. And of course, it was all made of wood from Milan and so on. So it had a treehouse-ish feel to it. Yeah. But my intention was not to live there. I never thought I could live there. It was just a getaway to go and hang out with friends or go and spend time. But the first night I spent there, I knew. I was like, there's no way I have. This is my home now. I have to live here. And I lived there for six years before it all pretty much was falling down. And then I, mm-hmm. I sold my recycling business and could afford to build a proper house, which is what I live in now. But that first night, Kara, you know, I always say that I think this is important. Being told of God and knowing God are two very different things. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people in our world, they have been told of God and they regurgitate and repeat and adopt the, the narrative they've been told. But to know God is a very different experience. And here's how I describe that first night. Remember, I'm a city boy. <laughs> so, right? So yeah. I was in this treehouse which had no doors and no windows and um, any forest and uh, just to the, the set, set a stage for it, I could scream and no one could hear me. So I was pretty much there alone, or at least I thought I was. And, um, you know, so it gets dark and you have all the creatures of the forest come out and all the noises of the forest come out. And we have these zicadas, little insects that fly into you and like bombard you like, like you know, torpedoes. And um, so it got kind of eerie and I started to get very uncomfortable and very, you know, I, we also have a very venomous snake that lives up there. You know, so my mind starts thinking snakes, scorpions, everything that could possibly go wrong, right? Everything around me that I was unfamiliar with. And there came a point where I was in a hammock and I just kind of wrapped myself up and started to breathe deeply. And then I opened up the hammock again and began to actually see, rather than seeing everything as a threat, I began to see moonlight on trees that were hundreds of feet tall, probably hundreds of years old. And I began to see with a different lens. And I realized that I was a threat. Mm -hmm. The only reason I felt threatened was because I saw myself as separate from everything else. So naturally, I felt threatened by everything around me. But once I could remember that I was actually a part of it all, that I am interwoven in all of this creation, that I am, there's no way I could be threatened because I am a part of it. And once I took on that lens and began to see that the divinity and, and God in all of it, then that kind of faded away. And I realized that I was safe. And I could feel that that forest and that experience had so much to teach me and still teaches me to this very day to, to be immersed in nature in that way, you know? 
That is profound. And and I, I love how you started that with learning about God and experiencing God are two different things. And it's not to say that learning about it is wrong or, you know, but it, it's part of the evolution and it's this transference of intellectual understanding, whether that is that you were brought up in a religious household or, um, and you have to parse through like what is universal truth versus what was something else. Or, you know, let's say you're, you're a, a student of shamanism, you know, and you're anywhere that you're learning that, you know, shamanism is a much more experiential path. You know, it's really, it's, it's very much feeling that divinity, experiencing it and letting it flow through you. Yeah. But every place is going to start with an intellectual understanding, yeah. at least at this point with where we are with humanity and consciousness. Yeah. But it really is one of those, like, as we go deeper, it's an embodiment and it's an understanding. And it's, it's through that experience that we start to actually embody and, and understand things where it's, I mean, so many times I've had journeys with like multidimensional journeys, for instance, and, and I realized that things that I thought were metaphors are, are literally true. So like you talking about, like, I realized I was a part of this whole fabric of, of everything that I'm witnessing. Like I'm, a part of it. I'm not, I'm not threatened by it. And I, you know, I mean, I can choose to be, but I'm like interwoven into it. And it's that type of thing that we can understand. Like I can listen to you say that and be like, yeah, yeah, you know, unified field and, and, you know, the as above, so below and all that, you know, we can rattle off these ways that we understand that. But there comes this point where we do start to experience things and and that type of knowledge and knowing is a completely different beast and there's only so much language that we can use to be able to express it but yeah it can be really really profound yeah i think kara that we have a responsibility and i'll apologize to listener in advance for putting this on them because it carries weight but we have a responsibility to question everything we've been told. Because, because if not, what ends up happening is we just repeat the cycle. We repeat the disconnect just in a different in a different form. But we have to question everything we've been told and really listen and feel and have the courage to call out the misalignments or the inaccuracies. Um, that have been carried over generations, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Troy, this has been so enlightening and so much fun. It's such a a deep heartfelt connection. So I, I thank you so much for being here. Please tell, tell everybody how they can connect with you, talk about your book and, um, anything else you want to share. Yeah, well, um, troyhadi.com is my website. So that's um, my go-to. I would love people to go and sign up for newsletter. Um, I'm also quite active on Instagram. 
And if anyone has any questions or wants to reach out at all, please do feel free. I do do yoga teacher trainings, and I have one coming up this September, if anyone's interested in Tobago. Um, I also would really encourage people to join the mailing list and follow on Instagram because they go, there's going to be news of a book coming out. And um, you do not want to miss that. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well, Troy, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a joy to connect with you. Same, Kara, And thank you for having me. I'll be back anytime you need. You let me know. I love to come back and chat more. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation.